Mission 2, San Jose Avenue. From our 901 Mission Street studios, you are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. I've been checking out Nathan Tan's work for several years now. He has his new school clothing line, that's school with a K, that has a lot of local designs. I have a knit hat and a hoodie with Sutro Tower on it. And he creates art inspired by his graffiti roots in the golden age of hip-hop at Nate One Design. Nate is where art and small business and San Francisco pride collide, but he always has been pretty anonymous to me, the introverted San Franciscan who works behind the scenes. But that was all until the pandemic hit, and he transformed into Uncle Nate of Uncle Nate's Creativity Time. Bam! Uncle Nate's Creativity Time. Hey kids, welcome to Uncle Nate's Creativity Time with me, Uncle Nate. Today we're gonna draw graffiti bubble letters. I love bubble letters. You're gonna need a few supplies, so get out a pencil, some markers, or something to color your drawing in with, and a few pieces of paper. Gather up your supplies and meet me back right here. Uncle Nate's creativity time started as worksheets on Instagram at the beginning of the shelter in place, something to do with your kids when there was nothing to do, and it's now a series on SFGov TV. You can check out his videos and his work on Twitter at New School SF, New School with a K, and on Instagram at New School SF and at Nate One Design. We talk in this episode about the San Francisco graffiti scene in the 1980s and the development of underground art as an industry. The TV show Home Turf comes up for at least the third time on this podcast. Just a lot of old school San Francisco stuff today. Nate Tan coming up. I'm Peter Hartlob, and this is Total SF. Thank you very much. Nate Tan, welcome to Total SF, where um, I'm right now horrified because we wore the exact same thing. It's like... It's like my middle school nightmare. <laughs> Who wore it better, Peter? <laughs> <laughs> what are we wearing right now? Could you describe this for me? It's Sutro Tower. It's my Sutro Tower hoodie, but there's some like technology involved with this. Yeah, so um, I started a Sutro graphic f- for New School, my clothing line, almost 10 years ago. And um, I ran that graphic for a while. And then, you know, you as a designer, you got to update your things. So I created a sketch version of it, like more in more detailed uh, drawing of it. And um, what's special about this graphic is that it glows in the dark. And as soon as I bought it, I tested it. I like just got the brightest light on it and then ran into my darkest closet and was very happy. I, I did not send it back. I want to talk a little bit about um, what you're doing now. I want to talk about your your all, all your merchandise. I have a lot of it. Um, I want to talk about Uncle Nate's creativity time, which was just a, a really cool thing that I think came out of this rough year. But I wanted to start kind of more at the beginning, and I'm I just kind of almost want to go all the way back. You're a Bay Area native. Do you have a first memory of creating art? 
my first memory of art is actually watching my sister paint mm -hmm. and she was a really good artist but never pursued any of that so I always felt at the very beginning I was trying to catch up to her and I would uh, copy cartoons from the Sunday comics um, mm -hmm. Snoopy and Beetle Bailey and all those old school comics and that mm -hmm. was my very first uh, attempt at drawing and, and all that. So later in high school, um, this is the mid 80s, and at that time, hip hop was just touching down here on the West Coast. And uh, hip hop uh, has four elements, uh, DJing, rapping, and one of the elements uh, is graffiti art. And uh, not being a very good break dancer or rapper or DJ, that was a thing I naturally um, was drawn to, no pun intended. And um, yeah, this, so uh, I had a really good friend in high school who was already a veteran at 14 years old. He had been doing it already for a few years. And I was lucky enough just to become really good friends with him and enamored with hip-hop I just really spent a lot of time drawing and practicing that and at 16 years old we were painting murals in San Francisco um, so people who are listening to this now who are younger than us mm -hmm. um, uh, are gonna think okay that's an established art form that is embraced Correct. by the Bay Area community and uh, certainly you know there are politicians who are opening new murals in Oakland and other places. What was it like in the 80s? What, did, uh, what was the level of acceptance? Did people consider it art? And w was there a struggle in that end for you? That is so great of you to ask, Peter. Um, that is the difference. Now, today, in 2020, graffiti art is a, maybe a billion dollar industry. You know, it yeah. makes so much money. It's, it's everywhere. I mean, hip hop in general is. But um, being that this art form was created by the youth and was driven by the youth, uh, adults didn't really understand it. They were scared of it. There were so many stereotypes behind what people thought it really was. So maybe that struggle to champion the art form, to bring it to the forefront, to make it acceptable not just by our peers but by grown-ups in the art world this is maybe the reason why i've stuck with it for over 30 years <laughs> yeah do, do you have a, a you mentioned you had friends did you have someone kind of pushing you on was it um your peers um were there other figures that kind of were getting behind you and saying hey this is art this is great what you're doing pursue this well for sure um one thing as a as a kid i was very shy not particularly extroverted and what graffiti art did for me was it gave me that voice it gave me that confidence that wow i am good at something this is my thing and and as a kid as a teenager when you find your thing um, i really encourage everyone to run with it there's a there's a reason why you found that that gift you know, to yourself. Mm -hmm. So um, a lot of my classmates in high school, uh, even today, they, when they see something like recently the 
breakdancing uh, is going to be in the Olympics. You know, one of my friends uh, <laughs> texts me and he's like, Nate, did you see this? And I think that's so funny because I was never really a, a breakdancer um, or a b-boy. But uh, yeah, it became my, my identity in high school, you know, and um, that was actually the beginning really of my business career as an artist because in high school I'm drawing flyers for dances I'm you know drawing things on people's high school jackets you know I'm drawing things for guys for their girlfriends you know <laughs> so I saw that uh, and um, being a, being lucky enough to follow the lead of uh, the East Coast pioneers over in New York um, I saw that there was a career path actually you know a lot mm. of the older graffiti artists before our generation, they became very accomplished clothing line owners, tattoo artists, fine artists, and of course, graphic designers. So I kind I, besides tattooing, I kind of did all of those, those things in my career. I don't know if you remember um, growing up in the Bay Area, but I remember there was this TV show called Home Turf. Love it. And... Yeah, and that was uh, Dominique De Prima, of who is a uh, radio DJ in L.A. now, and I'm mm -hmm. dying to get her on, on this very podcast. Right. Um, I just remember that that was an area where, um, and I had other examples in my life, where you kind of had these things that were part of our life, but that broad spectrums maybe didn't think as art, but... Um, I remember that was a TV show that said breakdancing is art, you know, and, and mm -hmm. whatever new thing was happening. You know, it, it might be kids in, in my neighborhood. There were a couple of kids who did bike uh, tricks on their BMX right. bikes. And that became, you know, it, it was art. And Correct. But I, I'm curious at that time, what was your day-to-day -day like? You mentioned flyers. You mentioned uh, uh, on a jacket. What were your opportunities to create your art? And did you start developing your own style? So um, it's funny. Um, my parents immigrated here to San Francisco from Burma and a very small country in Southeast Asia. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure sending me to this private school in San Francisco, which was expensive, um, I'm sure they were thrilled with <laughs> the fact that I was spending so much of my time drawing, you know, mm -hmm. but to some degree, I think they saw the passion in what I was doing and they realized it was important to me. And, um, and I really thank my parents for that, giving me yeah. the space to grow up and be creative, you know, in a family full of lawyers and doctors. And I was uh, kind of the oddball <laughs> uh, cousin, mm -hmm. you know, so, um, so yeah, I would I would do my best to keep up my grades, you know, knowing that I had that pressure of going to this great school and my parents are paying for it. But I know that as soon as I had a spare moment uh, in graffiti art, there's a thing called the black book and it's where you practice and you develop your own style. You mm -hmm. put it down in your book before you take it to the public. You know, it's kind of like practicing your lines before you say them on stage and make sure you have it down. So mm -hmm. I spent many hours, you know, using design markers and all these really um, professional tools, you know, to draw these, these things in my book. And um, I still have those books today and I show them sometimes to younger writers when I meet them. It's like a little mm -hmm. piece of history. Now the word graffiti, things come in people's heads depending on when you grew up, I think. And, right. Uh, 
what were you doing? I mean, were you out, you know, finding a space and creating and wondering if uh, law enforcement was going to show up or was mm-hmm. most of what you were doing um, not that type of thing? Good question again. Um, well, let me, for the record, I'm sure a lot of my friends who watch this will be glad I said this. First <laughs> off, graffiti is a layman's term. Graffiti yeah. is not the term really that defines what we're doing. What we're doing is called writing. It's writing mm-hmm. culture. And when back in the day when you met another graffiti artist or writer, you wouldn't say, hey, what do you graffiti? You know, you would say, hey, what do you write? Like, what are you writing? And then you'd say, oh, I write Nate 1 or I write Omen 2 or, you know, and then you're like, ah. So um, I actually taught uh, the history of American graffiti at a local gallery downtown called First Amendment, 1 a.m. gallery. And I was able to um, educate uh, non-graffiti artists on that subject. And for some reason, that was something they were really interested in and it dispelled kind of some of the negative aspects of it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, while teaching those classes, I was always um, I was always asked a lot of questions about what you're talking about, like the the positive side of graffiti, the negative side of graffiti, and um, for sure, when I was growing up, um, especially when I was a teenager. We were doing what I guess I can call today is non-sanctioned public murals, you know, yeah. and uh, we were lucky enough to have some spaces that were deemed acceptable to paint graffiti there. One mm. of those places uh, was on 12th and Market, and uh, it was dubbed Psycho City. It was uh-huh. done by a very, very famous uh, old-school pioneer graffiti artist from San Francisco named Doug, Doug One, TMF. And he did a piece there when he was a teenager, and it said Psycho City. And pretty much at that, that was the biggest, there were like little mosquito bites at Psycho City, but nothing like that. So mm-hmm. um, this is what you would call a Hall of Fame. So in San Francisco, there were a few Hall of Fames. There were Psycho City, there was Cayuga Park. So, oh, there was another Hall of Fame called Crocker Amazon, uh, another one named Norfolk Alley. And these were spots that you can go to and um, it was covered in graffiti. And um, these were some of the places uh, that my crew, Masterpiece Creators, really got down and did some big productions and uh, made a name for ourselves as we were, you know, trying to battle it out and just be noticed, you know, by the rest of our peers. You know, that's really what you wanted back then. You know, you really wanted to be respected by your peers. And and, um, we tried hard, you know. As this is happening, you mentioned, you know, a career. And was there a point where you're like, okay, I can continue to do this and you know, have my art be part of my job. Was that something you were thinking early on? Did that develop slowly? I went to San Francisco State and Mm -hmm. um, I was a design major. And for me, that was the perfect way to balance my conservative family side of needing to have, you know, some sort of career path and my creative side. So after I graduated, a few years later, I actually became an uh, entry-level graphic designer uh, that 
this design firm actually had a focus in the fashion industry. Mm. So I was really lucky to have that kind of corporate experience, but I was able to bring in some of my hip hop flavor into that business. And oftentimes clients would really like that. They would say, oh, you know, I want my logo to be snappy like that, you know, and so I'd be the guy to draw it. And, um, and actually before that, uh, at, during college, uh, my friend uh, Yusinov and I, we actually opened an airbrush store on 3rd Street, um, which was pretty rough at the time, 3rd and Van Dyke actually. And um, mm. we were able to rent a small spot and um, because of the demand for airbrushing, we were able to have you know, daily customers and that was actually my you know, art school part two. You know, I was able to practice doing portraits people's dogs, um, lettering, and, um, and I find it so funny that this year of all years, my airbrush requests, my airbrush business is like as busy as it's ever been. I feel like it's 1990 all over again. <laughs> Things totally you come in cycles. You mentioned people's dogs. What, what are people requesting you airbrush? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming these are like commissions and... Yeah, so <laughs> back then, um, even today, uh, people want, you know, lettering, words, um, memorial pieces on jean jackets and overalls. And I've done all that in 1990, and I did that all this year. <laughs> the same <laughs> thing, you know. Uh, maybe some of it's, you know, like the older customers, um, they might want something totally retro. I mean, make me look like it's in living color again, Nate, you know. And then... What's crazy is their kids want airbrushing on their jeans, except now it's a little more updated. Instead of doing uh, Tiny Toons or Looney Tunes, I'm doing uh, these newer anime characters, which are so much harder to draw. <laughs> and um, I've done a few commissions like that this year. So um... We'll be right back after this short break. So I'm... I'm uh... Uh, thinking back to March and um, I follow you on Instagram and you know usually it's like to see a new design or something and and right around when we're stuck at home and there's nothing to do I see what I thought was a new persona Uncle Nate Uncle <laughs> Nate's creativity time these worksheets start coming up and they're awesome um, thank you I'm going to describe them for you I mean it's it's a, almost, I don't know, if I, sorry if I'm using the wrong terminology, but it's like almost like a graffiti art inspired um, spin on local landmarks and a, you know, worksheet so that you can give it to kids and give mm -hmm. them a way to draw a local landmark, but with a little bit of style. Right. And I look through your... Um, your, your catalog, a lot of your prints, a lot of it is sort of like has this dreamlike feel. Mm -hmm. um, you have one of the Alexandria Theater that, you know, oh. it's it's almost through in haze, and it mm -hmm. reminds me of my memories of going there. That's where I went on my first date with my wife. Oh, wow. Um, but coming back around to March, I see Uncle Nate show up. Was that the first appearance of Uncle Nate, or did I just happen to catch it right when the pandemic hits? That is exactly when I started it. And um, I have hosted kids' art classes before. Um, 
maybe four or five times after my stint at 1AM Gallery, um, which were more geared towards adults. I had a lot of requests for like, do you teach kids, you know, and being a father, um, I'm pretty good with children, you know. So um, when the pandemic hit, I just wanted to do something for poor parents at home with their kids that don't have, you know, this creative outlet for them. And so I started off with a really simple bubble letter lesson. And I had done that a few times before, and it was easy to teach that. And then um, then came the next lesson and the next lesson, and I started getting so much great feedback from parents telling me, like, don't stop. Like, we really need this. And, you know, parents are sending me their kids' sketches. Um, that's really fulfilling as an artist, you know. Uh, so after doing about 15 or so lessons, People were asking me, like, where can I get this all together, you know, I, besides looking at your Facebook. So I compiled them. I picked my favorite 12 and uh, compiled it into a downloadable PDF for free. And I put it on my new school site. And, um, and that's kind of part one to the, to the lesson. Well, in terms of, you know, breaking out of my shell and teaching a lot, um, I have to thank 1AM Gallery for that. Yeah. Um, we started a history of graffiti art class there. And I remember our first class, we had three or four students. One of them was an employee that worked there. So um, I really didn't know how that was going to turn out. But as we kept doing them, more out of a labor of love to really teach how to draw all of a sudden we got our first corporate client and I think it was Facebook and Dan, the owner of the gallery said, uh, Hey, are you up for doing a class for uh, 30 people? And I was like, what? Like, I'm not a public speaker. I wasn't then at all, you know? So I was super nervous. Um, mm -hmm. And we did that class. Our feedback was great. Um, I'm a pretty, once you get me going, I can, talk and tell you stories and it seemed like they liked all that stuff so um from facebook it became visa and then it became twitter and it became all these huge companies sending like 30 to 50 people at one time to teach mm -hmm. uh to take the class and um i really saw that that's something i like to do even though i was nervous as heck every time before the class um, it was something I like to do. I like to share the history of the art form that means so much to me, you know? So I, I saw a video show up and again, ultimate extrovert move is to have a video series called Uncle Nate's Creativity Time. How did that happen? I've seen one episode. Are there going to be multiple episodes? Um, and I, I greatly enjoyed it. Um, oh, thanks. but, uh, uh, you seemed completely natural. It reminded me, <laughs> throwback to like our 1980s when they had that local TV and they'd have like Buster and Me and Home Turf and that type of thing. I mean, it just kind of had that vibe, which I like bringing back. How did that happen? Wow, you're so local, Peter. I love it. You said Buster <laughs> and Me, dude. I'm throwing out, all I have to do is throw out Buster and Me and Home Turf. And, I'm, and you got the bats. are set. You're there. You're there with that. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that was my Saturday too. Um, yeah. So I have a really good friend named Andy Kawanami, and mm. we've worked on various projects for at least 20 years now, from album CD covers to 
videos and and um he got his start on cmc tv which is uh on local programming and now he works for sf gov uh tv or he worked for the city and they needed some content some educational content geared towards kids hopefully art related Mm-hmm. And so we're talking, um, he's one of the few friends that I'll just actually talk on the phone with at night. And he said, hey, what if we made something like that? And I was like, like a TV show sort of thing? And he's like, yeah, you'll be Uncle Nate. You, got the, you have all the <laughs> curriculum already. I'll bring all the equipment over to your house and we'll film it. And I was like, yeah, sure. And... Of course, like anything, once I know that I'm going to do it, I took it really serious. And, you know, we're writing a script for it. Um, I did all the background graphics for it. Um, it was an excuse for me to mess around on my phone in GarageBand and make the beats and make the intro theme song um, as a wannabe rapper, you know. So this was um, something that completely came out of just fun. Uncle Nate's creativity time. No doubt, put your pencil to the paper and figure it out. Now we're going to do a drop shadow. Do a shadow underneath each letter and to the side. And it's really going to give it a 3D look. Wow, great job. I bet you didn't think you could draw that. Now that you know how to draw bubble letters, you can use it. And um, we did, we recorded the first episode. We edited it. He he did all the editing and all that, and um, we launched it on Instagram. And I couldn't believe how many people loved it. You know, it's like <laughs> kind of embarrassing. You know, <laughs> like like people are starting to quote the lines from there. I'm like, cut it out. Like, what is this thing? <laughs> What does this thing became, you know, or become? So um, it's so we did that one episode, got enough feedback, and he had enough time on his calendar to say, like, yeah, do you want to do two more? We could just bust them out two in one day. And I was like, uh, okay. So actually last week uh, we filmed two more. I won't tell you what they are. You got to tune in Uncle Nate's creativity time. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> And I think those two are just as good as the first one, if not better. And um, yeah, we're actually in the editing process right now. And um, yeah, and, and they'll, they're primarily for SFGov TV and for me to help promote anything, you know, like my clothing line or my art. And, um, and of course, you know, it's for the kids um, so that they can tap into their creative, you know, side how how hard was that for you i i think it's interesting because i thought of you as almost this wizard of oz figure i mean i knew your work Uh i kind of there's a photo of you and i knew a little bit there's a little bit about your background on your Mm -hmm. site but it was very much there was this person behind this other stuff and then you're out there um yeah how many takes did it take? I mean, did it come naturally? I, you know, what was that I like love that you're asking this because let me tell you, Andy has done, Andy Kawanami has worked 
in the past on so many music videos. Like if you know Andy's history, you're like, wow, this guy has done so much in the Bay Area. Um, he actually created Hip Hop Fridays on CMC TV, which totally flipped that TV show into something new. And he was able to not only break up and coming rappers at that time, like E-40 and he worked with Too Short. And, um, but he was able to like become a video director. So he worked on a lot of music videos um, in the early 2000s. So working with him on this is probably really, really easy for him because I'm a pretty uh, easy to work with guy, you know? <laughs> so um, he said, you know, we need you to spice it up a little bit. You know, you're so mild mannered. Like, could you like dance a little bit? I was like, no, <laughs> dude, like I'm not dancing. Like, and sure enough, you know, like he got me to just goof around and do some stuff. And I swear he used that. He used some of the outtakes where I wasn't taking myself so serious. And that's the intro. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to live with this, you know. And, um, and I can totally take that, you know. I, I have so many sides to me. I'm, in a dad, I'm a dad. I'm a business owner. So it's, I'm happy to, you know, serve that, that purpose. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like, I mean, this last year, and, and obviously it's a, been a horrible year for, for, um, for the nation and the world and our community, and I think there's a lot to be proud of, too. I mean, I, I think the Bay Area, you know, people have looked out for each other and, you know, created new bonds. But what about just you personally the last year? Do you feel changed? Do you feel, you know, that, the, uh, you know, the last nine months has changed you more than nine months worth? Um, yeah, these last nine months have been super challenging for me, uh, as a small business owner. Um, and it's really hard seeing my, my partners out there that own boutiques and shops, seeing them struggle because some of them have been able to adapt to this new way of doing business very easily and some haven't and i've seen mm -hmm. a lot of people's shops close down um, and that is just completely heartbreaking because i feel like it's our independent businesses that make san francisco so unique and allows us to have that flavor you know and especially when they're locally owned or family owned and to see that close it's really tough really tough so um, I feel like now more than ever, I am way more community conscious mm -hmm. about helping my, my partners out there with their business, you know, just doing a little bit extra and um, helping them market. That's like huge, you know, letting people know where you can shop, where you can find these things, you know, um, it's just super easy to go on Amazon and find things as cheap as possible and have it delivered right to your door. And, and I, I get that we use Amazon too. I mean, in a way, thank God for them and their food delivery service, you know, but for things like that are supposed to be special, like gifts and they're supposed to be personal, you know, um, I feel like we should be supporting these local businesses, you know, um, you know, I, I'm writing, I've been writing a lot about indie bookstores. I just wrote an essay about it and I've been doing a whole podcast series. I did an indie bookstore tribute 
and just had a lot of authors on talking about indie bookstores. And I think this is my hope. This is my optimism. And, you know, I don't want to lecture you because you're, you have a business, but my optimism is that people saw all those storefronts with the boards over them. And hopefully something clicked that told them, you know, Amazon isn't the only place you can pre-order a book. And that's not the place you can get clothes, that, that there's more mail order out there. And during this time, I'm, I'm hoping a lot of businesses, I'm hoping, frankly, businesses came to you because your mail order was tight before the pandemic. But mm-hmm. I'm hoping a lot of these businesses come out of it with a little more tech savvy. And then the people understand that the stuff that they've been doing online is something they can give to their community too. Cause I don't think there was that understanding last February, but I think mm-hmm. it's hitting people now is uh, uncle Nate. Um, I noticed you have a beard too. I don't know about you, but mine is a pandemic beard. It's going to be gone once I maybe get my second vaccine or numbers yeah. get low enough. What about uncle Nate is uncle Nate a uh, creation of this time or is uncle Nate here to stay? Well, I actually really am an uncle, and I've <laughs> always taught uh, my kids, you know, when they were young, how to draw, and and so I, as long as the people like it, um, me and Andy will keep producing these videos. Um, like I said, we're up to number three, and I have at least another twelve more lessons uh-huh. all planned out on paper. Um, so there's a really good chance we'll keep it going. Cool. So there's Nate One and New School. Um, how do people get to both? Um, Nate One and New School, if they want to check it out, is the best place. Do you like people going through your Instagram or on a website? Um, and how do they get Uncle Nate's creativity time, both the video and, and the, uh, the, um, the uh, uh, drawings that you did? Okay, um, so for art, you can go to my website, which is nate1design.com, the number mm-hmm. one. And on Instagram, it's nate1design also. Uh, my Creativity Time video is on my nate1design Instagram. For clothing, apparel, accessories, uh, my website is shopnewschool.com. Mm-hmm. And on Instagram, it's New School SF. And that's New School with a... With a K. With a K. I spelled it hip-hop. So it's <laughs> N-E-W-S-K-O-O-L. Awesome. Um, last question. What would 15-year-old Nate think of adult Nate and creating a graffiti-infused, inspired... TV children's series for the city. It's on a city website. Um, what does 15-year-old Nate think about this? And, and not just what you've gone through personally, but also just the develop, development of the art. 15-year-old Nate, or Nathan, he would not <laughs> believe where hip-hop has grown to um, and become over the last 30-plus years. Um, like I said, it's a it's an industry now. It's a, a professional art career. Um, it's a career path. It's 
to me, I would have never guessed that. And you know, even more importantly, I don't think my parents would have ever believed that what I was doing when I was 15 years old would be something I'm still passionate about and involved in, you know, as someone who's older. Awesome. <laughs> well, thank you very much for um, all, your, uh, all your activities during uh, this pandemic it, it, it again it happened early and there wasn't a lot of joy out there I think a lot of people were just kind of coping and I just think it's very cool that you um, quickly pivoted to something that was useful to the community uh, thank you for the coziest hoodie um, as we're getting into colder weather I've been yes <laughs> I've been using it a lot and um, thank you for coming on on Total SF, I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Peter. I really appreciate this. You are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Thank you to my guest, Nathan Tan. Total SF is a production of the Chronicle. Our music is The Tide Will Rise by the Sunset Shipwrecks off their album Community and Cable Car Bell Ringing by eight-time champion Byron Cobb. Support Total SF in the newsroom that creates it by treating yourself to a digital Chronicle edition at sfchronicle.com pod. <laughs>